It's time for JT the Brick. So we are open for business again, everybody. I had a dream that someday we'd have a flagship station with the cooperation of the team and the fans that stream globally. JT the Brick. Are we all on board with that? Because if you're not on board with this, you're going to have to enter a mental asylum. If you're not on board with this, it's going to drive you nuts. Jackpot, baby! And now, here's JT the Brick. Oh, we're out of the gate. JT with you. I'm actually texting Phil Villapiano, who just landed in Vegas. Bobby's laughing. Hey, JT, just landed. And I'm like, all right, Phil, I'm just about to start the radio show. Hey, the Raiders have uh, like 240 alumni in town. That breaks the record because I've been fighting again with Twitter trolls. And I'm, you know, but in your mid 50s, you shouldn't be fighting with Twitter trolls. I should have my sons fight for me. But again, I want to repeat this again because I'm aware of this because this is what I do for a living. And I think I know a little bit. No team in NFL history has ever done that. Okay? The Niners have never brought in 240 alumni. They can. Their ownership's got money. The Titans, the Jets. I talked to someone off the record at another team, Hint. They used to be in San Diego. And they said, we'd be lucky to get 10. 10 alumni. 240 in town. So, no team has ever, as my buddy Stephen A. Smith said, ever done this. The Lakers can't do it. They don't have that many alumni. The Lakers can bring in 30. Maybe they bring him into Maui for training camp. I don't know, but they haven't brought in as many as Mark Davis. Al Davis. Al Davis has not brought in this many players because there weren't that many when he was alive. His son Mark is bringing them all in, whoever, whoever could make it. And the turnout is insane. And if you're going to the game on Friday, stay in your seats at halftime and have your phone out because I can promise you you will never see this again. Because the numbers just don't add up. You're not going to see this many people in, in, at a stadium again who played for the team. So I want to bring that up. That is a massive story today. I bring it up, and I have trolls from other teams saying, who cares? Everybody does. No, 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 no. Not everybody does. Nobody does. And why does Mark do this? Because Mark is tied to the alumni. Before he was the owner of the team, he hung out with the alumni. These were his friends, and he treats them the way they should be. He treats them with excellence. So that's a big deal. So if you're going to the Patriot game and you didn't get rid of your season tickets or your preseason ticket, if you're going to go and we want you to go, this is going to be wild. It's going to be special how many they're going to be there. And they're going to be around town all weekend. Wink, wink. So there's a lot going on. And I just, I'm proud to work for this team on this flagship station because no one does that. And that's part of what I do is I'm a bullhorn to remind people of what the Raiders do because the Raiders have enemies all over the globe with the media, with other fans, and they've never had a sports talk host or now a station that kind of says, hey, they do good things because the other people out there want to tear the Raiders down. We want to build the Raiders up. Some days it's easier than others. Other days it's super easy. You come off a loss against a team in your division, it's hard coming in here. But I don't put out oil fires. I'm not a police officer. I'm not in the military. I don't have a hard job. I don't work maybe as hard as you do. But when the Raiders lose, you want to switch for a day? It gets pretty hard in here. And this year, the Raiders, and there was a good article I'm going to talk about later, positive about the Raiders above the number eight and a half and what they could do this year. So 
I'm ready to roll as we're brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. Say it with me. It is 5 to 7, uh, midnight to 2, and you'll be able to do that. So that's what we got going on there. And they, they want to have you over for the great food that they have, the great servers. You can game at the bar. You can have your fantasy football parties. Head on out to PT's as we get going. So I am going to do something very interesting today, thanks to our teammate, Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny Bonsignor put out an article that came out in the paper this morning. Paper gets delivered to my house, and it talks about Alex Leatherwood. And here I underlined it. It said, Raiders thinking suggest all options are on the table on how to proceed. Holy crap. All options? What does that mean? Does Vinny, is Vinny putting out there that the options include moving, moving Leatherwood from tackle back to guard, which has been supported by me from day one? Just move him inside. Move him inside like the Great Wall. Just move him inside. Or, or is there a possibility the last two options seem severe for the second-year player drafted as high as Leatherwood? The decision-makers have no ties to Leatherwood, it made it clear that the decision on the final 53 roster will be predicted on the performance and fit rather than financial obligations. So one of the options are waving or cutting them. And again, I know where the lane is on the flagship station. Dave Ziegler listens to the show. I don't do his job. I react to his job. So if he keeps Leatherwood and moves him inside, if he keeps Leatherwood and benches him as a backup, or if he waves and cuts him, we'll react to that. But I got a talk show to do today. I like the kid. I really do. I, did I think Mike Mayock reached? Yeah, I anchored the draft that night on the radio. I was shocked that he went that high. But he would have went in the 40s. But he, you know, he went really high in the first round. So that was a miss as of now. As of now. Raider Mort, who I talk to every day, the legendary Hall of Fame Raider fan, reminded me of Art Shell's early days and not playing super early, and how he developed into maybe the greatest left tackle. No, let's say that, the greatest left tackle of all time. And other players, remember Ken Stabler didn't play for years, for years. He had to go to the Continental Football League to play because he was backing up LaMonica and Blanda and not seeing the field. Can you imagine that? Steve Young, same thing with Joe Montana, didn't play. Guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers sat on the bench for two years and did not play, and Favre wouldn't talk to him. And we're looking at Leatherwood like it's make or break. So I'm going to open up the phones on Leatherwood right now because, in theory, with Vinny's column right here, he could be gone by Saturday. In theory, he could be gone by Saturday, a first-round pick. And that would be a bold decision and a calculated decision made by the Raider organization now. And if they keep him, which, you know, I, I had Demarcus Robinson on my final 53. I had Kenyon Drake on my final 53. These gentlemen are proving that they're going to keep their guys, not your guys in the Raider Nation, not JT's guys. They're going to take who they believe are the best players available, and I love that because that's the Patriot way. That's the Patriot way. Best player plays. Don't care where you were drafted. Don't care how much money you make. Don't care if you want a new contract. We're playing our guys. And that's why everybody is trying out for these new gentlemen, the, the GM and the head coach. And a lot of guys, and what I love what they did this year is they extended all the stars. These guys are smart. 
They're taking over the Raiders. They don't want to rebuild. They don't want to go back to scratch. If they want to go back to scratch, Carr wouldn't be here. They'd get a lot of value from him in the open market. You know, Hunter Renfro wouldn't get the extension early. Max Crosby. All these guys that they want long-term are here, and some of them rewarded with new extensions. I remember what happened the show we did when Josh Jacobs didn't have his fifth-year option picked up. I said, a term I use a lot, this is big boy radio. He's a big boy. He can handle that. He's, he's a multimillionaire. He didn't get his fifth-year option picked up. He'll live with that. Now he'll play this year. And how's Josh been in the preseason? Class. Class and dignity. He played in the Hall of Fame game. Haven't seen much for him, and he's ready to go. So this was really good content. Vinny's really good. Vinny's behind the scenes. Vinny's got heavy sources here. And as we look at this column today, Raiders face Leatherwood Dilemma. Now, the only thing I want to say about this is I like Leatherwood. He's put in a he's not put in a tough situation because he was drafted with a lot of guaranteed money. When you're drafted that high, you're slotted. So he's a multimillionaire already. But I like him because I've been here now going on 24 years, and I don't want to see what happened to Robert Gallery happen to Leatherwood. I was there when Robert Gallery got taken number two overall. He's in town this weekend. He's a huge part of the Raiders right now and the alumni. They love him. You should love him. You don't judge a human being by how they played their position of football. You judge a human being by their overall greatness and body of work, how they treat others. On a scale of 1 to 10, Robert Gallery is a 10 in life with his kids, as a husband, as a Raider alumni. You rate him as a certain type of player. And I'm feeling like Leatherwood's getting thrown into that same boat. That we're putting all this pressure on him, which he can handle. He played at Alabama for Nick Saban. He won two national championships and an Outland Trophy. How's that trophy room look? It's not Jim Plunkett's with the Rookie of the Year and the Heisman, but it's pretty damn good for a kid in his early 20s. And now the pressure is on him even to make the roster. And that's tough. And I think that the Raider fans should be picking up this kid. And if he's here, and if he's here as a starter, if he's here as a backup, if he's not here uh, down the road, we'll talk about it here. But I think Raider fans should be encouraging him instead of, you know, hey, man, this guy's not this or that. Let's, let's cool the jet engines for a minute. We have time. The Charger game's on September 11th. I believe that Dave Ziegler's going to bring in another right tackle from another team on cutdowns. I don't know that to be accurate. But I've been saying that for months. I don't believe that you want to go with the Luminor unless you have to. If you have to do that because you don't like the fit of another player on another roster, I think the Raiders are pretty good with all the mixing and matching that they did at training camp and in the preseason games. I can tell you this much. The offensive line played a hell of a lot in the play- preseason, didn't they? Other than Colt Miller. Everybody played. Everybody played multiple positions. Everybody was out there on an undefeated team in the preseason who had a really good camp in general. So that's what we're doing here today. We're talking about Leatherwood. I have a bunch of different guests. Levi Edwards will join us from Raiders Digital, his final training camp notebook. Looking forward to talking to him. Lee Sterling, he's our gambling insider. Our Sharp, he's going to tell you how to bet college footballs this weekend. I want to put some money in your pocket. He's going to give you some winners. He comes on and gives you winners for free. He's going to come up. One of my favorite boxers who's in town at Resorts World for the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, Ray Mercer. Merciless Ray Mercer. Olympic gold medal champion, heavyweight champion of the world. 
could get to get him on. And then a little bit later on, I think we have one more that we're doing, Bobby, here. Yeah, Johnny Katz, our entertainment guy on what's happening this weekend in entertainment. So the number is 702-365-9200. What is your prediction on Leatherwood? Is that low-hanging fruit low enough? Can you reach up and grab that Leatherwood apple that I just gave you? What is? What are the odds of Leatherwood being here on Sunday, Monday? What do you believe? And what are the odds of him starting, backing up, what, what is your, you're the flagship of the Raiders. You're their best fans, their highest educated fans on the flagship. What do you think needs to happen to Leatherwood? And we know that Dave Ziegler is going to make his decision, and it'll probably be the right one because he's super sharp and he knows what he's doing. 702-365-9200. I can get you up in the monologue. Jay in Vegas, start us off. Jay, what are you thinking? What's up, JT, man? I appreciate you uh, leading off with me, man. First mm-hmm. time I called in in a while. And, Thank you. Uh, good to hear your voice again, man. Hey, so, man, when it comes to Leatherwood, man, it's, to me, it's twofold. And one being I feel I don't feel sorry for him at mm. all. And, but on the flip side, I feel frustrated for him. Uh, on, the, on, the, on the first, where I don't feel sorry for him, I don't feel sorry for him because, look, um, he, for all intents, for everything that I've read in the offseason, he's put in the work. Yeah. And I've put in, and I've, you know, he's put in the work. He's worked really hard, and that's what you're supposed to do. So he's, mm-hmm. he's doing what he was supposed to do. You know, uh, I've been keeping a close eye on him because last season I called in and I told you that this team was literally uh, the right side of the offensive line away from really making a deep run in the playoffs. And I still feel mm-hmm. that way going into this season. Um, you know, so I don't feel sorry for him because he did, he, he did what he was supposed to do. Where I feel frustrated for the, for the young man is, you know, it's, he's just not – an NFL right tackle, and that's okay. That's okay. They need to move him inside, and I don't even think he's a starting right guard for this team. From what I've been seeing in the preseason, you know, I like what I see from John Simpson, and I really mm-hmm. love what I see from Dylan Parham. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, you got, let me watch my language here, but you got pieces of, you know what, like Trent Brown who roll out of bed, and they're elite when they're, when, whenever it is that they play. And I just feel frustrated for him in that aspect because, you know, he is an Outland Trophy mm-hmm. winner. He did. He is a national champ, but it just so happens that you're just not a right tackle, and that's okay. You know, same same was said by Tim. You know, for Tim Tebow, you know, he's a national champion, Heisman Trophy winner. He's just he's not an NFL quarterback. So th- those are kind of what, what I'm looking at. You know, and and the moves that uh, Ziggler has done, th- you know, this offseason, I think he is not done. I mean, it's going to come up to the 11th hour, and I think he is going to make a move to find Ace, find us. Mm-hmm. And all we need is an average right tackle mm-hmm. because he, the ball is going to come out of Derek Carr's yeah. hands quickly because of Josh McDaniels' system. So we just need an average player. That's all we need. Thank you so much, JT. Yeah, yeah I, I don't agree with you that we need an average player. I wouldn't go that far. You have to be above average. you got to be a player. If you're going to come into this team and you're going to come onto this roster at some point, the minimum, the minimum is Pro Bowl. Okay, the maximum is Hall of Fame. Okay, the minimum is you're supposed to practice and prepare every day like you can go to the Pro Bowl. You're the best at your position, and that's hard to do. But that's where you got to set your goals with when you're playing any position on this team. And Leatherwood was drafted to be a perennial Pro Bowler. That's why I think the decision is really tough. The last thing you don't want to do is let him go, and then he ends up on another team, and two years from now he's uh, going to the Pro Bowl three years in a row like a Lincoln Kennedy because it all comes together. And Lincoln was a much better, younger player than Alex Leatherwood. But they both went high in the first round. Lincoln even went higher. 
So it's a complicated situation. It's a complicated situation as we open up the show with this because I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him make the team. I'd like to see him have an opportunity to train under this staff, and I'd like to see him have the ability to to break on through, as Morrison said, to the other side, get going because he's in his second year. He hasn't even played, and he played a lot of games last year. He was reliable when other guys were in the tub and other guys weren't ready to play. And he's big. He's really big. He's super big, so you can get around the edge on him. I get that. But if he's on the inside and he nails the snap count right and he gets the push on a running play on a third and two and you run behind Leatherwood, you run behind him, he should be able to get a push and move the pile four or five yards so you can run behind him. I mean, Andre James does not have the background of Leatherwood and the coaching and the skill set coming out of college. He's there. Want me to go over the career of Lester Cotton Sr. compared to Alex Leatherwood? Leatherwood's young in his career. If Leatherwood was in his seventh year or eighth year, deteriorating or this or that. So, you know, Vinny's column is very appropriate for today because it's what we need going into the final preseason game. I don't spend a lot of time on the guys who don't make the team. I am today. If it's Leatherwood, if if all options are on the table and they can potentially move on from him, you better believe I'm getting in an hour today on this topic if he isn't here on Monday. and Because that's going to be a name that everybody expected around the league for him to be there, and he'll get picked up with a snap. He'll get picked up quickly because he's a first-round pick a year ago. And you know teams will take a shot on, on a flyer, on a player that high up. So these are big decisions. Want your opinion on it today. And then we'll see who's going to play tomorrow at 702-365-9200. And maybe some Raider fans who have uh, been a Raider fan for maybe over five or ten years and remember the growth of some players who grew into being pretty good players in this league. All right? That's what happens here. This is a business. Dave Ziegler's now, for the first time in his life, the GM. He's not with the scouting department. He's not the assistant GM. And from getting to know him, he's super sharp. And he's handling a budget. And he's handling a cap. And he's handling the long-term future of this team, having the success, hopefully, of what the Patriots had. Not six Super Bowls, but maybe winning one or two and getting the first one for this organization in Vegas. Hard decisions need to be made. And that's why Raider fans can stomach this. I mean, you Raider fans can stomach all this, right? You've been through a lot, especially since the last Super Bowl. Against Tampa Bay, there's been a lot of lean years and a lot of lean players. Unfortunately, you know, if you look at the draft of the last two or three years, and we interviewed most of those players, and a lot of them are good guys, they're cycling out of this organization very quickly. There's only a few of them left, and the ones who are left deserve to be here. And they include Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, Jonathan Abram, Trayvon Mullen. Uh, you look at uh, Merrig. The safety. So there are players here. They brought in Perryman. Seems to be a good fit here for the staff. Uh, Colt Miller, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Foster Moreau. Plenty of players that were brought in for, from another regime who were doing wonderfully here. But what we're doing is we're stressing the picks of Henry Ruggs and what happened to him and some of the other players who just flamed out. Damon Arnett might be one of the worst picks in NFL history. I mean, how did that guy ever get through an interview? He did because the Raiders, I believe, were desperate to get a corner. They've been desperate going back to Garyon Conley 
and they've been swinging and missing. Now you can't swing and miss. And if uh, Leatherwood is not here on Monday, it's an absolute swing and miss. And that would that would cost. It would cost money. It costs pl- uh, draft equity. And that's why if I was betting today, and I don't gamble, as you know, I'd bet he'd be here as a project that they're working through. And God forbid, what happens if what happens if a right tackle gets hurt and Leatherwood is the right guard and they say, hey, Alex, you played this position a bunch last year. Go play it in the second half of this game because we lost a player. I'd be comfortable with Leatherwood out there. I don't think he's going to be a turnstile and people are just going to run by him all game. He's got experience playing football at the highest level of college and the highest level of the NFL. But it's go time now, and we're trying to figure out what happens here. So Josh McDaniels yesterday talked about installing his offense and how that's going as head coach of the Raiders with this group and who's stepping up and how the process is. Yeah, it's I, I probably um, a unicorn in this regard because I've been in one system my whole life. And most of the coaches, which is why we have, you know, a staff full of guys that, you know, is not that way Um, so that we don't all think exactly the same thing at the same time. But, you know, from the time I got there in 01, you know, to 08, it was the same for me. You know, then I went to Denver and it was the same. And then Coach Spagnuolo allowed me to to use our system in 11 in St. Louis. And then I came back to New England, it was the same for me again. And then I came here, and we're kind of using that as our foundation. Again, everything evolves and changes, I think. We're running things we've never run before because they came up in the spring, or we thought about them with our personnel, and we figured, like, this might be a good direction to head in. But the foundation part of it relative to the communication and the terminology is definitely the same for me. Again, it's new for everybody else that hasn't heard it before, Um, so it's a process, you know, there's definitely a process involved there. Um, the guys are working really hard at trying to get that, you know, and we're going to, we've said this before, we're going to have to start where we are, you know, wherever we are at the, at the beginning of the season, that's, that's the only place we can start at, you know, we can't start at, you know, third base, you know, so if we're on first, we're going to start on first base and we're going to try to do that as well as we can. But, um, yes, it's, it's the terminology that I'm familiar with. And again, we've got additions from all over the place. You know, relative to Edgar and KP and guys on the staff that have good ideas. so um, But the foundation is the same. Yeah, the foundation is the same, which is the reason why I believe Mark Davis hired him. The foundation of his offense is at the highest level of NFL history, the highest level in the history of the league, dating back to leather helmets. And they had a pretty good one with John Gruden, who was an offensive mind and very successful. So it's an offensive league. Mark Davis got the best offensive name available with experience and brought in Dave Ziegler with them to try to build an offense and an entire team that way. I love that because uh, I think this is another complicated offense, and Derek's one of the few quarterbacks who can absorb all of that. Dylan Parham is something interesting now as we're talking about the future of Leatherwood. Parham clearly going to be on this team, and he might play more. Boy, I, settle in is a is a, a, a grand phrase right now for a rookie. Um, he's he's trying he's learning every day. I think that's the best thing to um, to say, you know and that's the first time he's seen Christian Barmore, you know, in a one-on-one pass rush drill and those kind of things. So um, there's great uh, gains to be made, whether it's a hard lesson to learn or not. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of our young players are in the same boat. Um, you know, our safety saw different routes. Our, you know, our back saw different protection or different blitzes. Our offensive linemen blocked different people. And so 
Um, each day is a new experience for them in many ways. Um, I think they're all working really hard to try to be able to play for us as early as possible. Um, but Dylan, you know, same thing, played all three positions, and, um, and that's not easy. You know, when you're doing that as a young, a young guy and then you're having to communicate, you know, at center and guard. And um, so uh, he's working really hard. Uh, I think a lot of our young guys are doing that. Um, these practices are, like I said, you can't measure the value here because we can't produce this on our own. Yeah, and that, I thought those joint practices where it looked like the Raiders had an advantage over the Patriots gives them good momentum heading into this game tomorrow night at Allegiant Stadium where a lot of the offensive line will play. If there's an offensive lineman that doesn't play, like if Andre James gets the night off, great. Get him ready for the Chargers. That's a big test for him. Whatever you're going to do if you want to play in the first half, but I don't think you'll see the rest of the starters most likely. And this team put in a lot of work. Remember, the Raiders started training camp before any team of the 32. They had the longest camp. Now they're rewarded as they're breaking camp and they get ready for a final game as the alumni are here to support them on. And then they're off to the Chargers on September 11th, and there's going to be some players getting cut as they go from 80 to 53. I think, you know, it's there's 50 guys or 51 that I think I'm pretty confident are going to make the team, but maybe there could be a curveball mixed in with someone like Leatherwood. And then on top of that, who's the other player that they're going to bring in? Because other teams are going to cut players, and some of them are going to be good and fit the Raiders system. They're going to fit the system. They will cut they're going to have an opportunity here and probably be ready to play because they're coming out of a training camp playing in three preseason games, and they're going to be ready to go. And how quick can the Raiders turn them around to get them ready for September 11th? Check out Red Tail at Resorts World, the newest property on the Strip. They have just a bunch of karaoke rooms, tons of TV. It's socially interactive. And enjoy the drama before the party as Red Tail is the spot to pregame for Zook Nightclub. Sip and skip. With your red tail wristband, you get to go to the front of the line to enter the club. Happy hour every Thursday through Sunday from 4 to 6 p.m. Red tail at Resorts World. With the 17th pick, in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Alex Leatherwood, tackle, Alabama. JT, as we're back with you, good to have you here today as we're getting ready for the final preseason game tomorrow. Modelo is the official cerveza of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Modelo, rooted in the heart of Raider Nation, drink responsibly. All right, so you just heard Leatherwood going 17th overall. Vinny Bonsignor wrote today the cover story that the Raiders face Leatherwood dilemma. Uh, what does that mean? All options are on the table, according to Vinny. So I would assume some of those options are really important, like making the team, starting or not starting. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get your opinion on that, and we'll talk about some of that coming up here. If you want to get in at 702-365-9200, I am buried next hour, so let's do it now. As my good friend Lee Sterling joins me every year, every week, when football season starts from Paramount Sports, he's transparent. He's one of the premier best handicappers of the modern era. Right, Lee? Because back in the old, old days, it was just bent noses at the corner. Now we have social media, television, and radio. So you're one of the best of the modern era. How are you? 
Yeah, and, and it doesn't get any easier with, you know, the transfer portal. I mean, these quarterbacks, you know, just changing colleges and, and uh, I mean, we have like 35 different new starters. So uh, mm-hmm. a lot of work you got to do in college football, um, NFL, uh, the game just gets better and better. So um, I'm excited. This is going to be a fun year. I mean, just look at your division alone. You've got four teams that have win totals between eight and a half and ten and a half. I don't think we've ever seen that in the last decade. Yeah, and the Raiders, as you know, are on the flagship as at eight and a half. And I was surprised no one, especially Raider fans and a lot of Raider fans in Vegas, didn't move that number up to nine. I thought they'd be a big bet. Someone would come in with a big, sharp bet to go over the number, and it hasn't. It's gotten a little bit more pricey. But what happens here? What could move the Raiders by September 11th, that season win total, from eight and a half to nine, or is it not going to move? I don't think it's going to move much, and and I like the Raiders, and it's one of the four biggest wagers that I made because they certainly improved themselves. They have a receiver now in this team that is unguardable. I mean, you can't guard this guy with one player. Uh, the separation he gets, I mean, the concentration, uh, he doesn't drop passes, and once he catches the ball, he's got a third or a fourth gear. So um, I, I certainly think they're better. Uh, I, I think that now, as far as health going forward, they look like they're ready to go. So many teams just didn't want to take a chance with their quarterbacks as soon as Zach Wilson got hurt. So that's the only thing we might see some money even play the first couple of weeks. But I like the Raiders in that division. I don't know how you bet Denver now. Everyone loves them. You know, they'll be better. But uh, can they win at least 11 games? That's going to be tough. The Chargers are at 10. They always find a way to, to blow it. And then Kansas City uh, will be good, but they lost another guy that's unguardable uh, in Hill to Miami. All right, Lee Sterling joins us. Instead of going through the entire AFC West, just quickly, I want to hit on on Denver and yeah. Denver's season win totals. Raiders beat them the last four games they've played. Russell Wilson comes in. People forget they gave up players to get him, and now we're sitting here with them at 10 and a half. Are, are, are Sharps fading the Broncos here at 10 and a half? That number seems high. They're still playing the Broncos because of Russell Wilson. I think they're right at 10. I mean, I think that Williams, Javante Williams, is, is certainly going to be, if they play him earlier in the season, um, look what he did the last four games better, but they lost Fant. No, Fant is, was one of the best 10 tight ends. Just look at his production and, and how he was getting better and better. So um, this might be one of those divisions. Crazy enough, each team might have like 10 wins headed into the final week and uh, – Anything can happen. All right, let's go to college football while we have you here for a few more minutes. How do you do this? Again, you mentioned the transfer portal. There's only so many practices you could see. And when I look at games like Michigan-Colorado State, I know the Colorado State coach now I'm expecting an upgrade, but it might take a few games. And everybody's staring at the big boys, Oregon-Georgia. And I... I'm not hearing Georgia with the national championship talk like I heard last year because Alabama is supposed to be better. So Oregon, Georgia, walk me through this game and how you see this one. Well, I think that Georgia's going to be a totally different team. And the SEC, as good as the Ducks have been, and Mario Cristobal took them, uh, got them back as far as recruiting, I still think that Georgia has better players. I mean, uh, they've got three tight ends that would probably start for anyone led by Brock Bowers. They're going to outscore people this year. Now, Kendall Milton's a game-time decision for opening week, but they get this kid, Kenny McIntosh, who uh, might be as good as Cook was last year out of the backfield, and another couple running backs 
uh, behind him that are going to be certainly superstars. Uh, they return four to five starters on the offensive line. They're just going to outscore a lot of teams this year. So totally different than last year. Their defense will be decent, but you might see Georgia, you know, win this game. I would probably take Georgia. I think they can win this game something like 42 to 28. All right, and, and I look at some of the other big marquee games coming up here. Lee Sterling joins us at Paramount Sport. You know, my son went to Oklahoma, and uh, the coach left and kind of gutted them and took the quarterback there. Oklahoma traditionally starts off strong as they got UTEP there, and Miami, right in your backdrop. Miami's a really interesting team to me this year. You know Miami as good as anybody, and Miami opens up with the thing Cookman. That looks like a cupcake. Yeah, they do, but as far as college win totals, Miami's one of my top three plays, mm. and I have not said that. You know, I have okay. been off. I've been off the boat here for the last fifteen, twenty years. Haven't had the right coach for Mario Cristobal's recruiting. Look at his guys coming in this year and next year. These are all guys that Alabama wanted, Ohio State wanted. They step right in and and they're going to compete for a job. So I like Miami over eight and a half. And remember this. Mario Cristobal, one of the best underdog head coaches uh, when he's getting points on the road. Look out. I think he might pull off the upset at Texas A&M or at Clemson. Oklahoma, another team that's going to score a lot. I mean, uh, the transfer of Dylan Gabriel, I think he's going to be spectacular. Eric Gray will shine from Tennessee. He came over in the transfer portal. Uh, They've got some really good receivers led by Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss. Um, their defense, though, is not very good. They only returned five starters here, and uh, they could have some problems there. So if you like Oklahoma, you might see another game like they played against Texas where they won 55 to 48. They're going to have to outscore a lot of people this year. And finally, I know you got a winner between Nebraska minus 13.5 versus Northwestern. That's the game you focused in on. Tell us about it. Yeah, so it's the first game on, on Saturday, 12.30 Eastern, and a lot of people are going to play Nebraska, and, and two, three, and nine teams. I do like the fact that Scott Frost finally hired a, a special teams coach. He went the first three years without a special teams coach, but they've got a new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, new quarterback, Casey Thompson from Texas. I just think it's going to take a while. The best underdog coach on the road, Pat Mitz Fitzgerald. Remember that name. Uh, 21 and 12 the last decade. He's going to go to Dublin, Ireland here. This game's going to go right down to the wire. In fact, the wrong team might even be favored. I like Northwestern a lot, plus Ooh. the 13 and a half. Northwestern plus 13 and a half. There's your pick. There's your winner, everybody. Lee, tell everybody how they can find you, how they can find you, especially online, social media, and also call the office. Yeah, check out the website, ParamountSports.com. It's our 29th year. Um, former college quarterback. I've spent all summer four or five hours a day studying spring games. Uh, you know, I know the roster's inside and out, so if you're looking for the edge, ParamountSports.com or call 800-400-9741. Thank you, Lee. There he is, Lee Thanks. Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Appreciate that. It's Raiders Alumni Weekend. Let's get Jay Richardson up from the Ohio State, played linebacker from the Raiders from 2007 through 09, and we appreciate him checking in. Jay, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it, and you got to be thrilled about Alumni Weekend in Vegas. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Uh, thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled about Alumni Week. It's going to be a lot of fun to catch up with some of my old buddies and, and see some familiar faces and, and just hang out. And then we get to watch some football, too. Yeah, there's going to be a great turnout, and you're a big part of this. So tell us your backstory getting drafted by the 
Oakland Raiders in the fifth round in the 07 draft. You played for three seasons. Were you expecting the Raiders at that at that point? Did you expect to go a little bit higher? How'd that phone call come about? Oh, that's a great question. So, listen, I, I had no expectations for the draft. It was one of those deals where your agent's telling you, you know, hey, they're telling you you got, you know, second-round talent, but we're not sure where you're going to fall. And I remember getting a phone call in the, uh, in the first day of the draft at the end of the second round from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they were saying, hey, stay ready, stay ready. And I said, okay, no problem. The third round opens up, and the Jaguars took a punter. And I was absolutely pissed. And I was like, you know what? I'm cutting this off. I'm not watching the draft. <laughs> Next day the draft comes on, I'm not even watching it. And uh, I, I, the, the Raiders were the one team I did not have any phone calls, didn't have any workouts with, no interaction. So I, uh, I think I, must, I just got back from church. It was like a Sunday morning. Um, I'm changing clothes. I'm just kind of hanging out, about to grab some food. I get a phone call. And it's a woman in the front office of the Raiders saying, hey, I got a coach on the line for you. Give me one second. And I was like, oh, okay. Mind you, none of my TVs are on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next voice I hear is Lane Kiffin. And he hops on, hey, big fella, how you doing? I'm like, hey, how's it going, coach? And he goes, hey, so you ready to go? And I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm like, uh, <laughs> sure. And he goes, uh, he goes, Jay, are you, uh, are you watching the draft right now? I go, not at all. He goes, oh, Jesus, kid, turn your TV on run upstairs, cut on the TV, and they're literally announcing it, you know, with the first pick of the fifth round, the Oakland Raiders select Jay Richardson. And I said, oh, I said, hey, man, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Coach. And he's like, welcome to the family. And then he talks to me on the line there with uh, – with uh, Rob Ryan and then Keith Millard, who was a D-line coach, and uh, it was a, it was a pretty cool moment. That is cool, and Jay Richardson's our guest. Rob Ryan's back, as you know, so you'll see him around, which is great, and he's back here on I this staff. Uh, let me ask you about Mr. Davis at that time. You know, the Al Davis, the Maverick, the legend, and what was that relationship like when you showed up in Oakland for camp? It was actually really cool. So Mr. Davis uh, usually has guys, and you know how drafting goes behind the scenes, Sometimes there are guys that are the, the coach's guy, and then sometimes there are guys that the owner really wanted. And, uh, you know, of all the owners in the NFL, I think Jerry Jones and Al Davis are probably the most hands-on kind of guys uh, in, the, in those rooms. So apparently I was Al's guy. I did not know that until I got boots on the ground in Oakland, and that was kind of the, the rumblings I was hearing. And just to give you a quick story about Al Davis and just how sharp he was uh, well into his 70s and 80s, uh, he called me, this is right after my first week starting. I think I started week four or five when Derek Bird just had a calf injury and uh, went out there, played the whole game. You know, felt decent about how I played. The next morning, 5 a.m., my phone rings. It's a, it's a woman saying, I got Mr. Davis on line one. Of course, you take that call. You don't, you don't ignore that call. And uh, next voice I hear is Mr. Davis, and he's, hey, big fellow. How you feeling? And I was like, hey, I feel great, you know, a little bit sore. He goes, listen, listen, I'm watching some of the film, uh, play 64, play 65. You really got to work on your hand placement. Uh, I, I love your, your, your violence, but I need you to come out of your stance a little lower and get that inside hand placement a little bit firmer. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, so this guy, like, is serious about this. Like, he's not just messing around. Like, he, he watched every bit of the film and understands it at a very high level. I was always really impressed with Mr. Davis. Jay Richardson, former Raiders linebacker, as we wrap it up. That's an incredible story. Incredible story about how Mr. Davis watches film to the exact play and can say where your hand should be. Amazing. Jay, who was a teammate of yours 
that you had the best bond with or the most important teammate in your entire time in Oakland? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one because I played with some great guys. You know, I played with Warren Staff and Richard Seymour and, uh, you know, the late, great Thomas Howard, who was mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. my real linebacker behind me. I love T. Howard, man. That was my brother out there. Uh, Namdi Asamoah taught me so much about watching film and, uh, and, and what to key in on. Uh, you know, Mike Huff was in that case, but that, that was my dude from Fabian Washington, too. Uh, Trevor Scott was a young defensive that we brought in my second season, and me and him just bonded a lot. And to this day, we're still really close. That's my brother out there. Awesome. What does it mean for you to have a legacy brick in front of the stadium, be invited back into the newest stadium in all the sports, and be a part of this weekend? Uh, I couldn't express how grateful I am and how uh, cool that moment was. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're young, you don't think about your legacy. And then, you know, you get, you get into your later 30s and you get a phone call like that and they send you a brick and it really makes you proud and it makes you feel like, okay, I did do something in my 20s worth, you know, worth discussing. Uh, but it was, it, it was amazing. And this is one of the greatest franchises, one of the most history franchises. And uh, it, was, it was truly a blessing. What's going on in your personal life now? Tell us about your family and what you're doing for work. Oh, absolutely. So uh, these days I work in broadcast now. I work, um, I'm back at, in Columbus, Ohio. I work for uh, Sinclair Broadcast Network, ABC6, uh, and, and I cover all the Buckeye games. I do the Buckeye pre-shows, the Ohio State football post-show. Uh, I also have a high school football show on Friday nights on Fox that I, that I host, one-man show. Uh, I, I host the morning show sometimes. So I kind of pretend... Yeah, I kind of pretend to be our local Michael Strahan there in, uh, in, in Columbus. And uh, I have a blast doing it. And uh, broadcasting is where I feel comfortable. Wow, that is. Let me just tell you this. You went to Ohio State. You played in the NFL. You had a great career in college. And you locked into one of the best teams in all the sports when it comes to Ohio State to be a part of as a broadcaster. That's a big deal, Jay. Don't lose that real estate. Take it from me. It's hard to come by. Hold on to those gigs. That's big time. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm super blessed. And let me tell you something. It is going to be a hell of a year this season. Uh, yeah. People, people better. I know, I know everyone's aware of the talent Ohio State has. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, but there are some guys that everyone's going to be talking about in about four more weeks after a couple games uh, get behind our belt and everyone sees what we have there. It's going to be pretty amazing. Great, Jay. I'll see you tonight. Thanks for doing this. All right, no problem. Talk to you soon. All right, Jay Richardson. Nice to get him. Uh, the alumni are in town, and they just threw us. Jay Richardson, an interesting story. Good linebacker for the team, played three seasons, now a broadcaster with The Ohio State. And we just had Lee Sterling on, who gave you Northwestern, gave you a pick. Gave you a pick right there over Nebraska. That was interesting, but Ohio State looks to be the second-best team in the country behind Alabama, even possibly ahead of Georgia, which is interesting. So the the three-headed monster of Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State this year. I'm just concentrating on UNLV getting a win. How about we get one for Coach Marcus Arroyo? Everybody going out to the game? Hey, do me a favor. Support the Rebels. Support this coach who I'm behind. And a lot of people in town want to see the Rebels get off to a big first win at Allegiant Stadium. Big weekend in town, and we're covering it for you on the flagship of the Raiders, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria. I feel like my explosive explosiveness allows me to bring uh, physicality 
uh, speed and just uh, everything you need in the O-lineman, honestly, to Raiders offensive line. But again, I'm just uh, grateful for this opportunity and uh, more than happy and excited to just uh, get ready and get started. That's Alex Leatherwood as we're talking about that. If you want to get through for next hour, I dial now. Let's get up here and talk about Leatherwood. Do you think he'll make the roster? Do you think he'll start at guard? Do you think he'll be a backup? Where do you stand on him, Raider Nation? The cover story today by Vinny Bonsignor. We've been talking about it. Raiders face Leatherwood dilemma. Uh, Vinny writes in the column, the Raiders thinking suggests all options are on the table on how to proceed with the former Alabama standout. Those options include moving Leatherwood to guard, where he played the bulk of his rookie season, to trading him or cutting him. Well, I think it's probably too late to trade him, unless, again, you could get something on the back end of that, or cutting him there and what the dead cap hit will be and what happens going forward. And Vinny wrote, while the last two options seem severe, for a second-year player drafted as high as Leatherwood, the current Raiders decision-makers have no ties to Leatherwood and have made it clear that the decision on the final 53-man roster will be predicated on performance and fit rather than financial obligations. Leatherwood was given a fair chance to earn the starting role at right tackle, but he fell behind Brandon Parker. So and that happens, this competition. There's a lot of competition in the NFL, especially for young players. But at some point, you have to prove that you are no longer competing for a backup position or to make the team. you got to prove that you're competing to start in the NFL. Look, there's plenty of room for backups. The Raiders are going to have to have eight, nine offensive line, eight offensive linemen. Would, would I want to have Leatherwood as a backup to tackle or guard? Yeah, I, I yeah, I do. I'd like him to be a backup and be here, but... I don't know. There's a lot more to that with what Dave Ziegler's thinking about with financial obligations and what they can get and who else they're looking at. Again, I can't imagine what that scouting department is dealing with now today. So they're looking at every team, 31 other teams, and they're looking at their offensive line and their backup offensive line. They have sources throughout the league, and they're talking to the league and other teams about, hey, if this guy gets cut, if that guy gets cut, I want him. And there's four other teams thinking the same thing, but you don't know the three other teams or four other teams. So it's going to be important for just like a war room before the draft that Dave Ziegler has his war room ready to go for the offensive line. Or, you know, maybe they don't have anything going forward and they're content with what they have. They saw these guys every day, as Vinny said on the radio. Every day they saw the starters in their mind and the backups and they seem to think that they have enough to go into the start of the season. Big decision coming up as the roster goes from 80 to 53. Former heavyweight champ Ray Mercer next hour.